Today's reading is Luke 7, 20 through 23. And when the disciples of John the Baptist had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. King's Quest students, you can head to the lobby and find your teachers. The rest of you may be seated. Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. My name is Will Vakurvich. I'm one of the pastors here. Thankful to be uh, here with you guys this morning, diving into God's word. We have been working through a series uh, the last part of this summer um, called Snapshots of Jesus. And the basic idea is we get these pictures of who Jesus is throughout the gospels that are like clues to, to what he's like what he values, what's important to him, and by extension, as his followers, what we should hope to emulate. So we're going to look at three different snapshots. Don't worry, they'll be quick this morning uh, as, as we are in the, bo the book of Luke um, in chapter 7. So before I jump in, will you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift that it is to gather together uh, with people who are seeking you. We thank you that you are here in the midst of us now. You desire to speak to us through these words, through your spirit, um, through, through these stories that have been captured so long ago and still ring so true. So would you speak? We are people who are eager to hear. Or the areas of our hearts that are hard and, and dry, would you bring hope and encouragement and healing? Or the areas that we want to keep hidden from you because we're afraid, would you give us courage and boldness? These, these weeks sometimes feel long, but you are present in the midst of them, offering words of hope. Speak that. Would you speak that now to us? We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I have to be honest. Tomorrow is Monday morning, and I am dreading it. Not because I don't enjoy my job. I actually look forward to Monday mornings. They're one of my favorite days of the week. I get to hang out with Beth and Daniel and with our staff, and we pray together, and, and we connect, and, and that's actually really, really good. Um, but because there is something wrong with me. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, there's something wrong. I'm convinced with my brain where I know that I need to work out. But for whatever reason in my mind, I have decided I can only start working out on Monday morning. 
If I miss, if I miss Monday morning, then like, that's just an excuse for me to not work out for the rest of like, ah, you know, this week's already shot. Like it's already Tuesday. Can't start now. So Monday morning, that's like pressure. And just with stage of life that we're in with kids and, and work and things, the time that I am able to go work out is like really early in the morning. And I don't like that. But I have to be honest. I also don't like how it feels when I don't work out. And, and I was doing okay, right? Like before we moved, I had rhythm and routine, but you know, we moved in December. And so it's like, oh, okay, Christmas and then New Year's and then we got COVID. And then there's always a really good reason why I shouldn't work out. But I'm not as young as I used to be. So when I don't work out, like my knee, my back, right? Like all of these little things. So yesterday we went, uh, we took the boys to Carlsbad for a trip to the beach. It's the last Saturday of summer. We're like, we live in California. Um, my oldest had a cast. He broke his thumb at camp and that's off. So like we can do the beach thing. So we should go, we'll go to Carlsbad. That's been one of our favorite beaches uh, in the life of my family. And so we went down there and they're like, dad, come on, like get in the water with us. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. I was in the water for like three minutes. And I'm like, oh man, like my back hurts, my knee hurts. I'm like out of breath, right? I'm like, okay, spirit is speaking to me. I understand I need to get in the gym on Monday morning. This is why I don't want to do it. It's going to reveal to me how lazy I've been. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be like that mirror that reflects back to me the truth. The truth that like, I'm not in high school anymore. <laughs> I'm not, my body doesn't feel like it did when I was working out consistently. It won't work in the same way. But church, this is what I need. I need to know the truth. I need to know that. I need an honest assessment of where I am and who I am. Right? You guys may know this about me, but one of the ways that I like to work out is I like to do kickboxing. So that started a few years. It started a long time ago. I was inspired by the Rocky movies and I got into boxing. And then it was like when UFC was super popular, like I, I got into that kind of stuff. And then um, I got into weightlifting and I was old then and I hurt my back. So I was like, ooh, maybe let's not do that. Uh, so my boys were doing martial arts. So I got into kickboxing. And you know, like we tell ourselves stories. I was like, I could do this. Right? Like, I don't need to be a pastor. I could probably, like, just be a professional kickboxer. I'm silly sometimes, okay? And, and so the guys that I was working out with, they were telling me there was a tournament that was coming up, uh, but if you waited until you turned 40, that was, like, the old guy division. So I would be the youngest in the old guy division, right? And then I started reading articles and, like, researching, like, what does it take? And they're like, okay, if, if you can jump rope without stopping for the entire length of your fight, including the rest rounds, that's an indicator you're in good shape and you can do it. Yeah, not even close. I wasn't even close to that. They're like, okay, if you can do, you know, if you can work out, if you can do at least, uh, it was like eight to 10 workouts in a week, so that's like multiple a day, then you're ready. And I'm like, no, I'm not, not even ready, but I needed that snapshot of what it actually looks like to be able to compare with where I was to know the truth. So enough about me and my <laughs> uh, inability to work out consistently. We're going to look at three snapshots of Jesus, and we're going to compare. So I'm going to press a little bit today. Not because I think you guys are all horrible and you're dropping the ball and you're not doing anything. Because we all, myself included, need to know the truth. Good? 
for three people, it's good. So you three, we're diving in. Everyone else, just watch. No problem. We're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 7. Uh, the words will be on the screen. I need to apologize. I typically, when I come in, will look at the page number in the pew Bible that's underneath your seat, and I totally forgot to do that this morning. So if somebody... 865. Thank you, guys. Thank God for the body of Christ. Luke chapter 7, 865, if you have the Bible underneath your seat. Here we go. When Jesus had finished saying all this, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Here's our first snapshot of Jesus. Jesus heals the centurion's servant. Now, if you're not somebody who has time-traveled from ancient Israel, you may not be familiar with what a centurion is. This is a, a Roman military official. Rome, at this point in global history, is the ruling empire who is oppressing and has occupied Israel, which are God's people. Jesus is the promised one, the Messiah that God promised would come and, and renew all things, make all things right, including, in their minds the revitalization of Israel's government and its own kingdom. Right now in their history, they're finding themselves under Roman occupation and Roman oppression. So now this centurion, this military official, sends word to Jesus through a group of local elders. The centurion has made a name for himself as somebody who is favorable towards Israel. He's helped them. He's, he's uh, built a synagogue for them. He has shown favor to them. He has a reputation out there. And so the people have also heard about this reputation of Jesus. So when the centurion finds out that his servant is sick, even to the point of uh, dying, he asks the question, where do we go? Where can I look for help? And because Jesus has been doing what God has sent him to do, Jesus has also made a name for himself. The word on the street is, if you need healing, you go to Jesus. The word on the street is, if you're in danger, if you're in need, if you're in trouble, if you're at the end of your rope, you go to Jesus. You see, as much as the centurion has built a name for himself in, in the surrounding city, the name of Jesus is bigger. And so we say this, and it's like, oh, that's an interesting story, but I want to I push a little bit to help us, like, hear the context, 
okay? Jesus, the promised Messiah of Israel, heals the servant of a Roman centurion. All right, this is like if you interviewed Ronald McDonald about what's the greatest hamburger, and he says, in and out. Like, that wouldn't happen. This is like if you ask Keith Dowds, what's the best beer out there, and he says, Bud Light. It wouldn't happen. This is if you ask Dave Parsons, what's the best football team in the NFL, he's going to say, the 49ers. No, that wouldn't happen. L.A. Rams. This would not happen. This is if you were to ask Donald Trump, who is the most patriotic American, and he says AOC. It wouldn't happen. See, it's less funny then, right? (laughs) Church, this is if you were to ask AOC, what's the future hope for America? And she says, Donald Trump. It works both ways. It wouldn't happen. Jesus, who has come to bring freedom and liberation to Israel, is healing the servant of a military official who is oppressing his people, enforcing Roman law. See, Spirit wanted to get your attention right there. And Jesus does it. Jesus is amazed at his faith. Jesus says, of everyone who I've met, look, this guy's faith, this is incredible. This is the same thing we just saw in the interview, right? Jesus says that we should have faith like a child, and Tack and Jeff were able to draw out examples of how that is helpful. One of our kids heard about a need of another church's kid and spent their own money, probably their parents' money, but still, (laughs) on candy and soda. Like, what's a kid's dream? Candy and soda. Heard about the need, responded to the need, gained a reputation. A reputation that informed how that church views our church. How those kids think about their experience of Jesus at camp. One of our children embodied the very nature of who Jesus is. And now we get to hear about it. The same thing happens with us. As Jesus built a reputation, as he traveled around, as people learned, when I am sick or those I love are sick, we need to go to Jesus. When we have questions about the law, we need to go to Jesus. When we are without hope, we need to turn to Jesus and seek him out. That reputation was built. Church, we do the same thing. The question is, what are we known for? The question is, if we were to ask your friends about this church, what would they think? What are the first things that would come to mind? Maybe you're new today, and we should ask you, (laughs) why are you here? What have you heard about Grace Long Beach? What are we famous for? When we moved in, we met our neighbors and we were chatting with them and they were trying to figure out like what church? And so we're describing it and they're like, oh, the giant brick building. Well, yeah, that's true of us. We have a really big brick building from the outside. What else is true? What else are we known for? The painful parts of our history Those are real. But maybe it's time to ask the question, is that what we continue to want to be known for? Is it time for a change? 
Is it time to be known as the church that bands together and shows up when things get hard? Is it time to be known as the church who has been called out into the community and is doing everything they can to get to know their neighbors and love them well? Because Jesus gets to know us and loves us well. Is it time to be known as the church that is actually theologically and ideologically diverse and doesn't shy away from the hard conversations? Doesn't just create cliques of like-minded people who stay together and never interact with people who think or vote or act differently? Is it time to be known for something else? I think it is. And the way forward is following Jesus. Jesus makes himself known by what he does. Where he goes, he brings restoration. Church, disciples of Jesus do what Jesus does. So where we go, can we bring restoration? Now, we're going to see in this next snapshot, that means it's uncomfortable. That means we have to get uncomfortable. Read with me, if you will. Chapter 7, we're going to pick up in verse 11. It says this, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. I, I want you to picture this like a movie, okay? Get the, the image in your, in your mind. You have Jesus walking in the desert with his disciples. There's one group, okay? Camera pans over. We see a town called Nain. There's a large crowd there leaving the town, walking through the city gates. It becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly what's going on. It's a funeral procession. We would be able to identify this, one, because there is the coffin being carried, but also, two, because in ancient Israel, one of the practices is when there was a time of mourning, they would hire professional lamenters. People who would come and would cry and would wail loudly so that those in mourning wouldn't feel embarrassed. So they would have seen the crowd. Those with Jesus would have seen the crowd. They would have heard the crowd. And as they got closer, it would have been confirmed. They could see the shape of the coffin. Jesus sees this moment and decides to join. Okay, Jesus didn't see like a block party and decide to join. Jesus didn't see like a wedding celebration and like, oh, they probably have good food. Like, let's see if we can sneak in. This wasn't a, a baseball game or a soccer game. Jesus saw a funeral and decided to join. Now, not only did Jesus join, but Jesus pressed in. 
a town of this size and a funeral of this significance, not only was this woman a widow, but now she had lost her only son. That tells us that there is no male to provide for her, which I know in our culture doesn't matter, right? Independent women are strong and they don't need no man. But here, thank you. That was a joke. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but here, this woman's very livelihood and her future are at risk. Culturally speaking, she is looking at a life of extreme poverty, if not homelessness, unless somebody invites her into their family. Things are bleak. Jesus doesn't stay on the outside of the crowd. Jesus doesn't press into where the professional mourners are, to where the lamenters are wailing. Jesus goes to the heart of the pain in this crowd, the casket and the mother, and he sees her in this moment. And he is filled with compassion. He was filled in compassion in such a way that Luke recorded this in the gospel. What do you think the crowd saw in Jesus' face that made them realize he was filled with compassion? Yeah, tears. There was something about Jesus' face that everyone around him knew what was happening, knew what was going on. He was responding to the very real need in this woman's life. And he tells her, don't cry. Not mask your emotion, but get ready, because something better is coming. You don't have to cry anymore. Jesus touches the coffin. Which, like for us, is like, oh, that's sweet. No, 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 no. According to Jewish law, Jesus should, Jesus should have been made unclean by touching the casket. But what we see in Jesus is our contamination doesn't transfer to him. Rather, his holiness transfers to the casket. Because he is providing glimpses of what his coming kingdom is like, where there is no more death, this boy is raised back to life. Not so that people would think Jesus was cool and invite him over to do parlor tricks, because this is the reality of the kingdom we call ourselves members of. In God's kingdom, there is no death. So we push towards life here and now. Jesus sees the need. He sees the woman. He is filled with compassion, not pity. He is filled with compassion and tells the boy to rise. Jesus moves towards places of pain. And as I'm thinking about this this week, this is one of the mirrors that God has been holding up to me in really silly ways. I never look for the second best parking spot so that someone else could be blessed. Never once have I done that. I never look for, like, the fourth best peach, which is probably still really delicious and tasty at the grocery store, so that somebody else's family could be blessed with delicious fruit. I never do that. I, I rarely will, like, allow other people to go in front of me in line. Okay, we're talking about Jesus entering into the most painful point in a funeral, and I'm selfish at the grocery store. You see what I'm getting at? 
One of the things that was challenging um, for me as a pastor since I've, I've been here was a few, a couple months ago on the Sunday morning um, after the, the Supreme Court uh, announced its ruling on Roe v. Wade, and I was blessed with the opportunity to lead us as a congregation through that. That was challenging for me because it was so complex. And one of the things that burdened me, like pastor hat aside, like Will is a human who claims to love Jesus, is I had to ask myself the question, who in crisis in Long Beach would think to reach out to me? Who, do, who have I met and gotten to know in Long Beach, outside of you guys, right? Like, this is my job, right? I'm your pastor, like, reach out to me. But like, what am I doing in my personal life to get to know people who may be experiencing places of pain, of pain so that I can move in like Jesus? Would people, would, would a, a, a young woman out in Long Beach think, oh my gosh, this, I found myself in an unexpected situation. You know what? I should call Will. He would probably help. I haven't gotten there yet. Well, then the question follows, right? Like, are we doing things as a church community to put ourselves in a position where people would think, you know what? I'm in need. I need to call Grace. We can't be Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite in this. If you've seen the movie, you're chuckling. I appreciate you. Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite was like the star, you know, like junior quarterback <laughs> in like 1986, who's still living in 1986. Okay. Now, I could give you a long list of accomplishments of what I did in Tempe, Arizona. I don't live in Tempe, Arizona anymore. I don't get to rely on that. I'm sure that you guys could tell me a long list of ministries that Grace has been involved in over the years. It's not 1986. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying we are in this together, church. And Jesus is calling us to a new day. Jesus is calling us to step out. Just as he made a reputation for himself in the community as being one who restores and heals, that can be our reputation as well. Just as he looked for and pressed into places of pain, so can we. So can we. As people who claim to follow Jesus, this is what Jesus does. This is why John the Baptist in this next story sends his disciples. Let's read this. He's trying to figure out, is Jesus the one? Give us proof. Luke chapter 7, pick up in verse 18 with me. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind, so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Jesus says, this is who I am. This is what you have seen me do. He doesn't need to answer the question because all of these things are fulfillment of prophecy of what the promised one would do. 
he would show what God is like. He would show what his kingdom is like. And in the kingdom, these are the things that happen. Now, here comes the question. Literally or spiritually? Is it like the literal blind receive their sight or like the spiritually blind receive their sight? And according to Jesus' ministry, the answer is yes. We see literally blind people receive their sight when they come to Jesus. We see spiritually blind people receive their sight when they come to Jesus. We see the literal poor receive good news when they come to Jesus. And we see the spiritually poor receive good news when they come to Jesus. So as a people, do we become just the social justice church that does all of the like trendy community organizing things and nothing else? No, but we do a lot of it. Do we just become the people who only talk about Jesus and talk about the good news and talk about the spiritual and talk about everything and never actually do anything? No, but if we're not saying it, we're missing the point. It's not either or. Jesus didn't come for either literal needs, physical needs, or spiritual needs. There was no separation in their mind. That's something we have done in our history, not grace, but as a culture. We celebrate, we separate the physical from the spiritual. That's not a thought in their world. It was all connected. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard the story in John chapter 9, I believe, about uh, the man who received his sight, and they asked the question, like, well, who sinned because he's blind? Is it like he sinned or his parents sinned? That's because physical and spiritual were connected. That's why they asked that question. So when Jesus comes to bring restoration, we can't separate it between physical and spiritual. Now, here is the gift of the body of Christ. Some of you are the spiritual, you're the prayer warriors. We need you. We need you here. We need you to remind us that it's not all about only the trendy, buzzworthy things on our social media newsfeed. It's not only about that. And for you people who really care about those things and want to go out there and get your hands dirty and go serve and go do the stuff, like, we need you too. Because you remind us that we need to do more than sit around and just talk about stuff. We need to do more than just sit around and, and look down our noses. I'm including myself in this. Like, don't, if your feelings are hurt, I'm in here with you. We need each other in this as we follow Jesus. Because church, I don't know if you follow the news, but if we look at like the national church, we're not always painted in the best light. If we look at church numbers, I'm not talking about attendance at Grace, but attendance across the board, it's not looking great. But Jesus makes a promise that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus makes a promise that as we go out to embody the Great Commission, he will be with us. We can't fail. Jesus makes a promise that one day he will return. He will come back and right every wrong. We know how the story ends. That should inform us here today in how we live this thing out. So this is my hope. I hope you were mildly irritated. Right? If you heard everything today and you're like, nope, great, I'm comfortable, I didn't do my job. Okay? Okay? 
If you heard something today and you're like, all I can hear is that one thing and I am so upset, please come talk to me because I pushed too hard. Please let me clarify, okay? What we want is enough irritation that on Monday morning as I'm getting up to go work out, you're asking the Spirit questions. Not only what do we need to do, but what do I need to do? Not only what direction is God calling us to as a church, how can I contribute? Not only what do I want to see grace do, but how am I going to be involved and lead and participate because we're in it together and we need one another. None of us can do it alone. And you guys are talented, as I get to know. You guys are incredible. None of us can do it alone. The reality is, as we look forward, we look to snapshots of Jesus because he's the one who's leading this thing. He's the only one we can put our hope in. And as we try to navigate this road that he is calling us on, neither falling too far one side or the other, but joining together with people who are different and diverse, the only hope we have is following in his footsteps. So would you pray with me that he would continue to lead us and bless us? Jesus, you are our hope. This world is crazier than we know, but you know. It's hard, and you experienced it. And you love us. And you are with us. And you have called us here today in Long Beach, California in 2022, and you have given us everything we need because you have given us your spirit. Father, it has been so encouraging to get to know this this church body and see how eagerly they long to serve you and love you and love their neighbors. And so would you bless that? Jesus, as much as we are thinking about how we want to love Long Beach, remind us <laughs> of what drew us to you initially, that reputation that we heard individually about who you are. Remind us of the places of pain in our own hearts that you have called us to, that you have called us to tend to, that you have brought healing in, that you have brought restoration in. And Jesus, we all know that there are more places of pain in which we need your presence. We need you. We need the one who brings sight to the blind, the one who brings cleansing to the leper, the one who brings good news to the poor. We need you, and so we come to you. And Lord, as we are here eager, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us as we continue our service, as, as we sing about who you are together because you are worthy of our praise? Lord, would you, would you minister to us? Would you fill us? Would you bless us, not so that the name of Grace Long Beach would be made great, but so that the name of Jesus Christ would be made great in the city of Long Beach? The name at whose hearing every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, would you make that true on earth in Long Beach as it is in heaven? We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.